The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Hey, guess what? We've got a meeting on Friday about Hope's Appeal. Does that mean they have to go back to school? Oh, we don't know yet, darling, but fingers crossed. Well, they better get a move on. She's not learning much, is she? Sitting there in her pyjamas. Uh, for your information, I've already got the lesson plan sorted for today. Thank you. Ooh, let me guess. 9.30, Dora the Explorer. 10.30 this morning with what's-his-name and uh, with the teeth. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 71 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thinks there's definitely a gap in the market in Weatherfield for a private investigator who doesn't crumble from the task at hand when confronted by a low-rent ginger lovejoy. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm drinking coffee. So am I. Yeah. Why are we drinking coffee? Because it's morning, y'all. <laughs> Don't expect any rambling WWE <laughs> fantasies this week. Oh, I'm sure we'll figure something out. I've been awake for 30 <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds ago you finished writing Corey News, so... Oh, we're Stop. Stop showing how the sausage is made, my darling. <sighs> if I showed how the sausage would be made, nobody would eat it. <laughs> Tom Selleck, that's what Corey needs. Tom Selleck. A Magnum P.I. Or Kristen Bell. A Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, yes, well yeah. done. Decent. Private detectives. Yes. Not like this asshole that we had this week. I don't. Did, did we even find out what his name was? I don't think so. His name is. I didn't pick it up. Goofy, inept guy who <laughs> is just—it's it, so lame. Well, but we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get to that. How was your week? Ah, oh, it was rubbish. I had to go into the office, which I don't typically have to do, so I was in the office all week. And then Friday, I didn't have to go into the office, but I did have a mammogram in the morning, so smushed boobs all around. Yay. Yay. I opted for the 3D because I thought that meant less smushing of the boobs, but no, even for a 3D, you have to smush the boobs. Did it just give you special glasses for that? Or <laughs> how does that work? You just lean into the machine, you stick your breast on the platform. And then this other thing comes down and flattens your breast, and then they take pictures of it. And then you have to lean in and hold on to a bar so that they can get this breast tissue up here. And then the platform comes back down and it smushes again. And it, this is the one that really, really hurts me. It's the one where they get the upper breast tissue up close to your, your oxters. It's just, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. There's but. got to be easier ways of doing this, surely. <laughs> In 2019. One would think. One would think. But there's not. Because women. Well, <laughs> you know? Who cares? I dare say if they were squishing guys' newts. Yeah, they, somebody they, would have found a better way. Find a better way of doing How it. do they find testicular cancer? 
Is it just is it just like self testing, which is also breast cancer as well? I think so. I don't know. Nobody X rays your your balls. No. They, they they cup my balls. Yes. And tell me to turn and cough, which I didn't realize was a thing, but it is a thing. It absolutely, is a thing. <clears throat> well, I mean, and my my doctor, the day that I had my smear test, she also did a breast exam, like a manual breast exam as well. So, but this. They need a better name than smear test as well. The word smear isn't very nice. Well, it used to be called a pap smear, and now it's called a smear test because apparently pap is too gross a word to say. But it's really the smear part that's... Mm-hmm. But that's what they do, you know? They just stick a little Q-tip up there and waggle it around and then smear whatever they find onto a glass slide and... Wipe. Wipe's a nicer word, isn't it? No, that's not. It's a bit better than smear. I wonder if that's why... Pat Smear from... That is exactly why Pat Smear... It's called... It's called Pat Smear, yeah. Yeah. He thought it was like the grossest thing in the world. I'm not and sure if I... wanted to be called that. If I think better or worse of him for that. <laughs> but yes, that's absolutely how Pat Smear got his name. Hi, Pat Smear, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Real name, genital wart. <laughs> <laughs> as, but, you know, as uncomfortable and sometimes painful and everything that these tests can be they are absolutely necessary and women of a certain age or women like myself who are of a family that cancer runs rampant through should absolutely get tested per your your doctor's recommendations because it's five ten minutes that can save your life plus staying school kids (laughs) and don't do drugs well, that's five minutes on titty scans and f- floof smears, so... There we go, there we go. There we go. From now on, mammograms will be called titty scans and pap smears <laughs> will be called... Floof smears. Floof smears. Right. <laughs> Even though it's not the floof part that's getting tested. Maybe they should. Cancer of the floof. <laughs> it's real, y'all. Pure Sinead. I accidentally deleted all my notes from Friday for one storyline. See if you can figure out which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I, I think we'll be, we'll be fine. Shall we a preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Our fresh off the press, Corey News. Oh, Lisa George, our Beth. Will be on the next series of Dancing on Ice. Anthony Cotton, our Sean, and Jane Dennison, our Leanne, are previous Cory actors who have stripped on their skates. So she joins a long list of Cory actors who. Jane Dennison did it last year, I think. For money. They tried to do this show here and it didn't work. I don't know if it's because celebrities are so rubbish at ice skating. (laughs) <laughs> oh no British celebrities are rubbish at it as well yeah nobody watched it it's, it, it had, did not catch on the way Dancing with the Stars did celebrities falling on their arse on ice <laughs> what's not to love it's really popular in the UK yeah I don't remember Sean Cotton being on it Sean Cotton? Anthony Cotton Anthony Cotton <laughs> plays Sean Tully I don't remember him being on it but I remember Jane Dancing from last year she was 
pretty good. I think she finished kind of midway through it. Yeah. Beth had her first uh, practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she posted something on the Twitter. About her ass hurting? And her, she was in the car, ready to drive home. And it was really funny seeing <laughs> Beth not being Beth. Right, just being a normal human being. She sounds and looks completely different when mm-hmm. she's not frowning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hi, Lisa George. Lisa George. Lisa George. Hi, Lisa George. <laughs> Lucy Fallon announced two weeks ago that she would be leaving Corey. This week, she hinted that her character might be killed off. We really hope not, as the corpses of young women are already piling up on the street. That was more than two weeks ago that she announced that she was leaving. Well, I that think was... it was two weeks two weeks ago that she made the official announcement. I mean, the rumors were there from well before two weeks ago, but oh, yeah, two weeks ago, ago it was like... Yes, this is officially really happening. So I really hope they don't kill her off because do we really need another dead girl on this on the show? Mm, I don't really mind one way or the other. Just like a man. Well, I'd like some dudes to be killed off. Can we kill off some dudes on the show, please? I have a list. Of characters that could die. What dudes have, have died penis. since we started doing this? Aiden died. Aiden. Feeling. Does he really count? He's a dude and he died. Yeah, all right, fine. Nigel Havers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they're all old. Except for Aiden. Finally, rumors that Ryan Prescott will be leaving the show for a Hollywood career were rampant as he showed photos from California on Instagram. But a spokesperson has confirmed he was just on vacation. People go Who to thought Cali- that? People go to California for things other than starting Hollywood. a movie career. Yeah. <laughs> who who on earth? No offense to the lad. He's a decent enough actor. And I mean, there are other... Who thought Hollywood was calling? There are other actors who've been on Corey that have gone on to star in U.S. properties. The Rock. (laughs) Uh, Ryan Reynolds. No. He played Dina Sharples' (laughs) nephew. No, what's her name who was on Gentleman Jack? What was her name? And then that guy that was on the Four Weddings and a Funeral Netflix show who played the goth on Corey. Remember, I talked about it on oh, the yeah, 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 a couple yeah. weeks ago. Saran Jones? Oh, yeah. Okay. She was one of the many ex-wives of Steve McDonald. Yes. Yes. And then, yes, yeah, she played Karen McDonald. Right. And then she went on to play Anne Lister, a 19th century cross-dressing lesbian in England. Gentleman Jack. Go watch it on the HBO. I kept meaning to, but it's just, it's hard to watch everything that you're supposed to watch, isn't it? I don't watch anything. So, so well, I, I don't, I, I rarely watch anything, but, uh, except for Corey, of course. But there's like a list of shows that people are like, oh, you should really watch this. It's really important. It's a good show and stuff. And especially with the Emmys last week, I was actually quite proud of myself that the majority of the shows and people that were nominated, especially in the comedy part, were things that I'd seen on the most part. I mean, I've seen Fleabag, seen Russian Doll. I 
haven't seen Chernobyl yet. You watched Chernobyl. You like Chernobyl. No, I've watched one episode of Chernobyl and had enough. It was too bleak. <laughs> it was far too bleak. I can see that. I can see one episode of Chernobyl being like, nope, I don't like this. I also watched one episode of uh, the Ricky Gervais thing. Yeah, that wasn't Still nominated life. for any Emmys. It was pretty good, but uh, one episode was enough. Yeah. It's too bleak. Too bleak. Yeah, the, we were just talking about this the other day about about South Park. About how there comes a point in the history of the world where the cheerful nihilism that used to make us chuckle during during the good old days of the, the, the Obama presidency just don't work for us anymore. Uh, I think I've kind of changed my my preference for entertainment now that the end of the world is probably going to happen in my lifetime. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I watch Coronation Street. I watch some guy play football manager on YouTube. I watch. I watch an awful lot of James O'Brien on LBC explaining to people who voted to leave why they're wrong. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I watched an awful lot of John Oliver mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah, and that's you're pretty much it for the past week. You're typically not awake at 11 o'clock anymore on a Sunday no. to watch it live. 46 now. Yeah. I'm in my bed by 10. Yeah, it used to be because it came on right after Game of Thrones that we were like, oh, we're up anyway. We right. might as well watch it. Right. But now that there's no Game of Thrones. Anyway. Although I hear Succession is quite good. So maybe someday I'll start watching that. Who knows? I, I'm kind of tired of white people. Is that Corey News? That is Corey News. We spent more time in Corey News not talking about Corey, but that's fine. <laughs> Our mailbag, Chris got in touch. Yay! He said, I'm loving the WWE scene playing out. <laughs> the only minor detail you're clearly missing was when Norris's paramour, Frida, entered the fray. And in spite of his screamed warnings that she was about to get her skull caved in by a huge pan of hot pot, his gimp mask made lip reading impossible, and she was only saved when the hitherto invisible and legendary character of Fat Brenda arrived and squished all the bad guys. Or something. Um... I did I did say I didn't say Frida, but I said his wife is following behind shouting No no right. at Norris. So we did mention Frida, but we didn't we didn't go into detail. And I don't remember Norris wearing a gimp mask because this No, this is Chrissy's fantasy we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Chris's fantasy is Norris in a gimp mask. Hmm. We've all we've all been there. Have we? <laughs> Because a gimp mask is different from the... Mexican wrestling mask. From the lucha yeah. masks. It has more zips. Right, yes. Yes, you can read lips from a lucha mask. Yeah. Yeah. A gimp mask, not so much. No. Anyway, let's stop saying gimp. <laughs> Chloe from Nova Scotia was back in touch. We haven't heard from Chloe for a while. We love our Canadian friends. She says, I've been watching Corey for longer than I care to remember. And I don't think I've ever seen better acting in a storyline than the current Sinead cancer thing. Sinead, Beth and Daniel have all been immense and deserve to win whatever awards your Brexit-fascinated country decides to throw at it. Aww. Thank you, Chloe. Aww. Yeah, Canadians have been uh, a bit high and mighty between uh, Brexit and, and 45. And then, and then of course, we got those pictures of their Prime Minister wearing brown face. Yeah. So, you're back, not back perfect, your box, Canada. You're back in your box, Canada. You're not perfect, you're close, but you're not perfect. Hindsight Corner. 
a blue, 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 blue. I didn't really set up Chrissy's joke from last week. Remember Chrissy's joke from last week? Oh, yeah, the one about Princess Diana. Yeah, so you thought it was apropos of nothing. It wasn't. It was because we'd been speaking about Princess Di the week before. Oh, yes. Because, yes, because... So it was apropos of something. Okay. Things are very rarely apropos of something. This is one thing that was apropos of something. And not apropos of nothing. Shall we dive in, my dear? That was it for Isaac. <laughs> I was scraping the bottle. For... <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Let's see if we can count how many, if you've been affected by the storyline storylines we have this week. Oh, God, it's just one right after the <laughs> it other. Feels thank pretty thank high. God we, we really didn't get much in the way of, of cancer and gaslighting of Yasmin this week. It's it's other stuff. We could have had 100% if you've been affected by the storyline storylines this Absolutely. week. Our first story tonight is Gary the Gangster. On Monday, Gary approaches Ryan on the street again. He wants his cash. Ryan can only give him 20 quid. What with the interest rates, it's amazing that Ryan can afford anything. So Gary, ever the understanding gangster, offers to go easy on the interest, but he needs his £400 back pronto. I thought it was £600. He gave him 200 Oh, he did? He? Okay. The Nizzy and Jake are wandering down the street with Derek. It seems he spent the night, although it's not clear if the bean pole got his hole or not. Gary sees him smooch, and he's not pleased about this at all. At the bistro, Faye has made Robert a latte, but she's forgotten the coffee. This is another female who can't make food or drink. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We need Yay. more of that. Then Ryan comes in to duck his shift at the bistro. He's got a gig, 250 cash in hand, so Robert reluctantly agrees. Then Alia is in a corner working, so doesn't have the time to see him spinning some discs or whatever, but she reminds him of his debt with Gary, but he brushes it off. Gary's a pussy, he says. Then later at the bistro, Robert's asking Faye to cover Ryan's shift because Ryan's got the super high-paid gig at that new place in town and Faye's only too happy to help out. That new place. Yeah, what was it called? I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But Gary's sitting around the corner and he's fuming as he overhears this. Then we've got a wee scene with Tyrone at the furniture lockup. He spotted a desk that would be nice for Hope, but he's balking at the asking price of 40 quid. Fine, says Gary, just take it just to get rid of him and Tyrone's confused but he's only too happy to accept Mm -hmm. then Gary phones someone presumably Ryan and when Ryan doesn't answer Gary batters fuck out of a wicker vanity and it's kind of pathetic oh yeah especially since it's wicker right (laughs) come on so then Gary shows up at the pub where Ryan is DJing not only is he DJing but he's playing Mr Fancy Pants and buying rounds of shots for a bunch of randos yeah, and, and women that he's hitting on, even though he is dating Alia. Is he hitting on them? He's hitting on a couple of them, yeah. Hmm. That's that interpretation that's probably got Hollywood's interest peaked, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Gary's in the shadows and sees this, and we can pretty much hear him crick his neck. <laughs> and Ryan's fair enjoying his gig until he sees Gary leaning against the wall. Gary makes an internationally understood head motion of outside your bampot. Uh-huh. And Ryan reluctantly agrees, but it's 20 minutes later before Ryan finally meets Gary outside. Ryan very much fails to read the room, claims that he only said it was cash in the hand to get Robert off his back and that the drinks earlier were on the house. He goes to head back into the club when Gary tells him not to turn his back on him. Ryan asks if Gary thinks he's Tony Soprano and Gary answers him by beating the fuck out of him. Yes. Finally. 
Yeah. Oh, we're so pleased when that happened. Jeez. But, you know, typically, to be fair to him, Tony Soprano typically had other people do the beatings for him. Right. Yes. As most mob bosses do. They don't they don't typically get their own hands dirty there, Ryan. That's another thing that I've only one only watched one episode of The Sopranos. Yeah. It was good. I really liked The Sopranos. Didn't watch anymore. I didn't like the, I didn't like the series finale. I'm I'm one of those people that thought that that wasn't artsy and interesting. I thought it was rubbish. Oh, that's right up my street. I love that. <laughs> Just f- essentially finish in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love well, it. I much preferred the ending of uh, Six Feet Under. Have you ever watched Six Feet Under? I haven't seen any episodes of that. Oh my God, you have to watch it. It's so good. Nope. So good. Nope. So good. Nope. Ah. Gary tells him that he's brought this on himself and he wants his fucking money. Ryan has changed his tune and agrees, and he also agrees when Gary warns him from telling anyone. Breathe a word of this and you're dead. There's a kind of moment where Gary looks like he's kind of realised what he's done has gone over a line somewhat. And he reaches out a hand to help pull Ryan up. And Ryan cowers. And shits himself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you've had enough. Now I'm going to be nice to you. So he is actually pretty badly beaten up. And he gets home, phoning around folk trying to sell his laptop, and he gets an offer from one of his friends, but it's only 200 which he reluctantly accepts if he can get the cash tonight. The Nizzy and Derek are on their way to the pub quiz at the Rovers when they bump into Gary, who pretends he doesn't have a problem with them being out together again. And Ryan shows up at the furniture thing. He's only got the 200 quid from selling his laptop, and Gary points out it's less than half of what he owes, and looks like he's about to kick more of a fuck out of Ryan. Ryan begs for more time, and Gary agrees so long as Ryan does exactly what Gary says. And what his plan is, Gary helps Ryan limp into the rovers. <laughs> Ryan explains that he was jumped by two blokes who stole his laptop, and it wasn't until Gary jumped in to save the day. Now, here's my problem with this. Okay, here's a problem. I have. Yeah, there are many problems with this. Timeline. Gary beats the crap out of Ryan. Ryan goes home. Ryan sells his laptop to a guy that he must have seen to sell him the laptop and get the money. He has to walk home or get a ride home from the club to his house. And then he goes upstairs to his house. There are always people walking on Coronation Street because hardly anybody has a car. Oh, they have cars, but they just forget that they have cars. How many? Yeah, but... He also had to go back in the club to get paid. Right. How many people saw him beat to shit before Ryan and Gary limp into the Rovers? Well, according to the show, nobody. Right. Plus, if it had just happened, he'd... He'd have a little bit more jam on his face, but at this point, he's kind of washed some of the jam off. His eye is still like... Puffy. Yes, and awful and disgusting. But it's like, how? Why? This doesn't... We'll finish a sentence for the love of God. This doesn't work. Timeline-wise, this does not work. No. Everyone thinks... It's rubbish. Everyone thinks that Gary's a hero and it's drinks on the house in the Rovers. 
What kind of scumbag would do something like this, muses Gary. And Derek, who isn't quite as stupid as he looks for the moment, realises what really happened. Yeah. Derek makes his excuses to Izzy. He needs to go home and catch up on work. And then he leaves. Correct. And then Gary leaves at the back of him. Uh-huh. And Gary does his favourite and pushes Derek into a wall and slaps his face, telling him to stay away from the street and stay away from Izzy. And unknown to Gary, there's a shady man in the car taking photographs of this exchange. Right. And at this point, the shady man in the car taking photographs looks like a, a competent yes. investigator. What's the opposite of inept? Is it ept? Competent. Competent. Yeah, he looks okay. like he knows what he's doing. He's got yeah. a fancy camera, he's lurking right. in the shadows, he's taking photographs, he's not getting seen. Right. He knows what he's doing. And he's obviously been following Gary for quite some time, not right. being seen. Right. So Adam is in voice roles. This is all on Wednesday now. And listens on with interest as Gary is hailed as a hero by the Knicker people. The Knicker people have a hero now. Mm-hmm. Gary plays it down but explains to them that he chased off a couple of muggers. It was over in seconds and Adam is extremely suspicious about this. So Adam is on the phone to his private investigator pal who tells him that Gary beat some bloke up. Adam tells him to keep up the good work and then meet later on and get his photographs and stuff. And then we see Imran again. We've not seen Imran in ages. Huzzah! And he's wearing his horrid check jacket. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Imran's keen to know what that was all about, but Adam seems to find joy in being vague about it. And, uh, yeah, this is par for the course for that personality, isn't it? Right. Imran really wants to know what's going on, but Adam thinks it's best if Imran doesn't know anything until the full story comes out. But then he tells him anyway. Because yeah. <laughs> Imran's not buying it. <laughs> this is the guy that covered up the roof, the roof collapse, and Adam explains that as soon as he's found enough evidence, he's going to go to the police. And this last bit is delivered as we see the PI taking more photos of an angry Gary, pushing... I thought it was pushing an old bloke into his house, presumably to beat him up. Right. Is that what it was? Or yeah. was it Derek? No, it was an old bloke. Just it was a different guy. A random old bloke. Yeah, that owes him money. And this was delivered with a voiceover. Coronation Street getting all fancy and shit doing Ooh. voiceovers. Ooh. Ooh la la. They'll be doing Vertigo Zooms next. Yikes. Ryan's tucking into a big breakfast at Roy's Rolls when Imran and Adam come in. Adam reveals that they know it was Gary who beat him up, and Ryan sticks to the story. Adam wonders if it's drugs. He knows that Gary's up to his knees in something, and he knows more about Gary than Ryan thinks. Adam tells Ryan about the PI, which Imran looks like he doesn't think was a good thing to tell him about, because it obviously wasn't a good thing to tell him about. Why the fuck did Adam tell him about the private investigator? Because he's a dumbass, and he's smug and cocky and thinks with his balls. But Ryan isn't having it and sticks to the story, and then he storms off. And at home, Ryan's on the phone to someone and is leaving a message because no one ever answers the phone on Coronation Street these days. We assume it's Gary. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give any details and says he'll track. He'll try to track whoever it is down. So if Gary's not answering his phone, where's Gary going to be? He's at the furniture place again. Yeah. And that's where Ryan turns up to see him and he tells him about Adam and Imran setting a private investigator after him. Gary's dismissive and Ryan just wants him to know that this had nothing to do with him. Gary is appreciative, but doesn't plan on doing anything. He reckons Adam has it in for him and is bluffing. But then Gary goes outside and sees the investigator sitting in his car across the street. Yeah, right across the street. <sighs> so it's not really the investigator's fault. It's Adam. This is all Adam's fault, right? It's Adam's fault for hiring such a rubbish investigator. Let's be honest. And for telling... The guy's rubbish. And for telling Ryan about it. 
Right. Yeah. That was pretty rubbish, too. You'd think Adam would have learned something about investigating and stuff being a solicitor. No. But apparently not. No, apparently not. No. The investigator drops in on Adam and explains that Gary has been going door to door and money has changed hands, but he isn't dealing drugs, he doesn't think. No. The investigator turns out to be the worst investigator in the world and doesn't have the photos of Gary beating up Ryan on him. And it's also really goofy. He's goofy. Why is he goofy? He's like really, really, really goofy. Like he's talking about this chair that that Ryan, that, that Gary picked up and oh, what a nice chair it was. And, you know, and all this other stuff. And he's just the goofiest investigator since, I don't know, ooh, Inspector ooh. Gadget? No, Inspector Clouseau. No, Inspector Clouseau actually got the deed the stuff done, though. Inspector Gadget. By accident. Well, Inspector Gadget was by accident as well. Mm. Neither of these things work. No. Hmm. hmm. I don't want to derail the podcast in any way, but can we think of an investigator that does work? A goofy investigator. Oh, what about Hammer? I don't know who that is. That was a short-lived American TV show. It was an American TV show mm-hmm. that I've never heard of? That's weird. That was the guy that was in The Thing. It was the guy that was in The Thing? Mm-hmm. You mean Kurt Russell? <laughs> no. It was Kurt Russell in The Thing, wasn't he? Wasn't it? Kurt Russell was like... Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer, exclamation point. Does that ring any bells? No. It was a spoof on the tough rebel cop movies and dramas that were hitting their stride in the mid-80s. No. Strongly influenced by Dirty Harry, Sledgehammer is a tough-talking, mirror-sunglasses-wearing detective. He would shoot a jaywalker as readily as he would a, fl- a fleeing escaped convict. And he was played by... He was played by David Rash. Who was in Rash. Never heard of the it. The theme music was by Danny Elfman. Oh. Do you know Danny Elfman? There's, I love Danny Elfman. There were two seasons of it. Ah. So anyway. We don't tend to like spoofs here very much because we don't like to be laughed at. Police Squad. Surely That's everyone different. loved Police Squad. Eh. No. Oh, fucking. What's wrong with you people? It was fantastic. Uh, I don't know. We're awful. Case closed. Okay. Americans are awful. Myself included. I'm awful. I'm not really. So the investigator is at the furniture thing. It looks like he's double-crossed Adam. And we'll be getting <laughs> shot of those photographs. And he's sitting in the recliner that he thinks that he wants. Right. Which just lets Gary recline it. Right, yeah. And threaten him <sighs> from supine position. Gary pays him off and tells him to play with a straight bat or he'll be swimming with the fishies. Then Adam and Imran are in the pub chatting about Gary. Imran thinks that Adam is suffering from the same paranoia that Imran had with Nick from earlier. Adam will prove them all wrong, just you wait and see. I'll prove you all wrong, he says. Yeah. Uh, and he's, it's, this is the frustrating part, is that he's not wrong. It's just that he's going about this all wrong. Yeah. If there's a... Let's say that the storyline has several forks in the road and there's a reasonable path to go and then there's a stupid asshole way to go. (laughs) 
he's picking the latter every single time. Absolutely. This decision to make. He's Absolutely. making the wrong decision. Absolutely. So the Knicker people are in the Rovers and Izzy is saddened as it looks like Derek has dumped her. Gary reveals that he wouldn't trust Derek as far as he could throw him. But you're oh, in business with him, says Nick. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, says Gary. I meant in personal matters. Then Adam sidles up to Gary at the bar, observing how much cash Gary's thrown around. Adam gets an email on his phone and loudly announces to everyone to gather round. Oh, again, right. stupid asshole. Right, yeah, like gather around so I can show you these pictures that I haven't looked at yet myself. Right. So I have, I honestly have no idea what they might entail. Right. This might just okay. be an advert for Viagra, for all that he knows. What? <laughs> Gather round, everybody, and see what kind of scumbag they have rebuilding the factory, says Adam. And oddly, everyone in the pub does gather round. That kind of looked funny. Right, it was a slow night at the Rovers. Adam was... <laughs> well, it's quiz night as well. Oh, no, that was Monday. This is Wednesday. Yes. Adam admits to hiring an investigator, but when he checks the photos, they're shit. They're out of focus, and there are no faces that can be seen. Yeah. Gary tells Adam that he's made a fool of himself. Which is weird because... And he's not wrong. When when we see the pictures being taken, they're quite clear. Oh, he's cropped them. He's just cropped Gary out of them. And they're also much... He's, he's made them blurried blurry. them, mm-hmm. yeah. The investigator is back at Adam's and Adam is furious and refuses to pay. Oh well, says investigator. Adam wasn't born yesterday and knows that Gary has got to him. Right, yeah, it's it's blatantly obvious. I mean... This guy is not a very good private investigator to be like, all right, no big deal. I, I don't need 300 quid. Right. Yeah, let's make it obvious you've been paid off by the other guy. Mm-hmm. Big dummy. <laughs> uh, without confirming or denying this, the investigator advises Adam to drop this obsession with Gary while he still can. Right, because Gary's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get paid enough to deal with the likes of Gary. Well, you're a private investigator. This is exactly what you get paid for. Right. He's like, no, I just follow around, you know, men who are cheating on their wives and stuff who apparently are not dangerous. Yeah, you're still capable of kicking the shit out of them. Seriously. <sighs> so on the street, Adam confronts Gary. He knows Gary nobbled the crappy investigator. Gary then taunts Adam, telling him Sarah has settled for second best. And if he doesn't back off, he can make things very difficult for them. Gary walks off, leaving Adam with veiled threats. If Adam knows so much about Gary, then he'll know what he's capable of. I hated this conversation. I absolutely hated this conversation. Where two dudes get up in one another's face and fight about how much better they are for a woman who has made her choices. And is a sentient human being who's capable of making her choices without all of this dick slinging. Thank you very much. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's, it's the lamest conversation ever. Oh, well, once she realizes what an asshole you are, she'll pick me. No, no, Gary, she won't, because you're an asshole, too. And she didn't dump you for Adam she dumped you because you're an asshole and a liar and you caused the roof collapse. It's just, come on, come on, guys. 
this isn't going to make Sarah take Gary back. Gary's got to know that. But this is this is the type of conversation that guys have, though. Ah, oh, it's so lame. It doesn't Stop mean it, doing it. It doesn't make it. Stop doing it, guys. Women are not objects. We are people. And you can't fight over us like two Hashtag feminism. old ladies at a thrift store fighting over a hall teapot. But, <laughs> and yet men do. Yes, stop doing it. It's what I'm saying. Right. I'm not denying you're, that you you're do not gonna, it. You're not going to get people to stop doing this. Stop doing it. They're not going to stop doing it. Stop. Then on Friday... <clears throat> you don't mm, do it. Does it? Huh? You don't do that sort of thing. You treat women like human beings and not objects. I'm a nice guy, though. That's true. You I'm, are a nice I'm, guy. I'm, I'm an asshole for, for different reasons. <laughs> this is also true. You are a nice guy and an asshole. We're all assholes. Everyone's an asshole. <laughs> I'm going to get that embroidered on a pillow. We're all assholes. I'm an asshole. You're an asshole. We're all assholes. We're all assholes. And you, dear listener, are an asshole too. (laughs) (laughs) Then on Friday, there's a few bits and bobs where Imran notices that one of the photos is Derek going into a shitty mid-terrace house and he wonders why Derek's going into a shitty mid-terrace house if he's this big property developer. And then Imran now wants to bring Gary down too. Then Izzy gets a call from Derek saying that he's gone back to his wife, much to Gary's pleasure, and this makes Adam and Imran more suspicious. Right, yeah. And that's Friday. Yeah. And oh. that's the notes that I lost. And and also, Imran gives Gary a hard time for letting two Eames chairs go for like 100 quid when knockoffs go for like 500 quid. And the real right. thing can can get thousands of dollars. I've always wanted one. But it's way out of our price range. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of that. And then uh, Gary tries to hire Fizz to to manage the furniture shop. Oh, that was weird, yeah. Yeah, because Fizz apparently knows something about furniture. Does she, though? Apparently, because Gary asks her a question and about the Eames chairs. Or about who Eames is, or was, because he did. And she... <laughs> Knew that one thing, so that makes her qualified to... More qualified than Gary. Run a stupid furniture store from under the arches. Gorgeous chairs for, like... Oh, and then, um... <laughs> Ty tries to buy a desk from Gary, remember oh, that? Oh, we talked about that. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was funny. <laughs> How much for this crappy old desk that has stickers on it? 40 quid. It's like 50 quid. <laughs> It's like 40 bucks for that, really. Mm-hmm. And yet you you let an Eames chair go for 100 quid. Gary, what is wrong with your head? Yeah, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, and that that's a true statement, no matter what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a storyline that I inadvertently deleted. Yeah, and Imran and Adam quiz Izzy, uh, not just about Derek and uh, about where Derek lives and stuff, but also about Rick Nealon. Rick the Chin, yeah. Yeah, he's like, Derek disappears. Rick the Chin disappears. Rick the Chin disappears. And Izzy confronts um, Gary about this. And Gary realises that he's that she's been put up by, or she's been speaking to right, Adam. Adam. Yeah, and it's shortly after that that Derek calls, which makes me think that Gary has gone out, called Derek and said, you need to call Izzy and prove that you're still alive. Right. And that's what Derek does, mm-hmm. and then says that he's got back with his wife, which I don't believe for a second. Because, honestly, who would want Derek? 
<laughs> who actually knew who he was and stuff. It's just, and this is another thing that's just really irritating. I understand that it's not, that it's predominantly about control and stuff, but Gary getting all into Izzy's business when they have not been a thing for forever. It's just, do you think he, he does that to uh what's her name who lives off somewhere with that other baby? No, because they only really had a one night stand with her. Yeah. Whereas he was Nicola. in an actual relationship with Izzy. Yes? Yeah. Izzy deserves to choose her own people to be in a relationship with. Hashtag feminism. It's not your job, Gary. Back um, off. Next storyline tonight. Or do we have any thoughts about this? This morning. This morning. Fucking hell. Ha! It's a, uh, actually, that's the first time you've done that today. So that's good. You are getting better. Well done, my darling. The first time I've done it, we're on story two. <laughs> yes, but we had that long discussion about pap smears and stuff. Okay. <laughs> Asha's arms. Oh. Well, not just, not just her arms. Well, it starts off with her arms. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise this was a thing. I did. We'll get to it, I guess. On Monday, it's teacher training day and Addy and Asha have the day off, so Dev is sending them off to holiday club. Asha doesn't want to go and she's definitely not going to participate and she's definitely not swimming. Asha's woken up in a good mood on Monday. Mm-hmm. Addy goes to grab Asha's arm and she reacts badly. Then Dev throws him in the car and off they go. Then Dev drops into Roy's rolls and orders three lasagnas. Since Mary left, they've been sharing cooking duties and tonight it's Addy's night and last time he managed to burn his oven mitts making a salad. It was funny <laughs> as fuck. Oh, so now children can also not cook on the show. It's oven mitts. No one can, no one can cook on the show but Roy. Oven and mitts just Robert. make me smile. <laughs> and our latest SpongeBob Squarecast. Oh yes, it's not the same. <laughs> it's, That's like the best part of that episode. It is. Sponge, SpongeBob's wearing squeaky boots, and Mr. Krabs has stolen them and buried them under the the um, crusty crab. Crusty crab. Crusty crab. And uh. Tries to give him oven mitts as compensation, but it's not the same. Magic oven mitts. That's so funny. Sally doesn't remember this, obviously, because it didn't come up in the show. But when she was little, I bought her squeaky shoes that were intentionally squeaky. People, there were these these things. What kind of monster are you? <laughs> there were these things at the times. It was squeaky shoes, so you can't lose your child. Because you hear them. Before you see them. But so if these know, are successful, then... Then everybody has them. But not everybody... They weren't successful. No, because people aren't monsters. <laughs> exactly. Apart from you. <laughs> they were cute, though. That's squeaky flip-flops, as I revealed on the <laughs> yes, podcast. At Dev's, he's having trouble cutting through Addy's meal. It's burnt pizza. He asks the kids about the holiday club. Asha had a decent time, but won't be trying out for the play, which is bugs him alone. And Dev is shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Because Asha is always in the stupid play and he's quizzing her on this and as to why she's not doing it, but she storms off to her room. Then Dev bumps into Amy on the street. She's singing My Name is Tallulah and he asks her why Asha isn't trying out for the play and Amy is shocked. Shocked, I tell you, because Asha always tries out for the play. He explains how Asha isn't interested in anything anymore and just hangs out in her room and Amy promises to make sure she tries out. That was nice. Then on Wednesday, Asha meets up with Amy outside and Asha shows a photo of herself that Amy is surprised to see that she's looking so pale. 
Asha looks pleased and then looks shocked. And Amy gives Asha a hard time about not applying for Bugsy Malone and then reveals, what, what? I've signed you up anyway. Ha ha. That's a totally Amy thing to do. Uh, completely, yeah. So Amy is visiting. She's completely mini Tracy. Absolutely. <laughs> I like how they've made a mini Tracy. Yes. Uh, like kind of right. n- nurture with, nature sort of thing. Just, you know, just slight touches of Steve. Oh, Slight hints of Steve Almost in her like personality notice, as but... well, because she has a bit of Steve's goofiness and and kindheartedness. It is kind of the point where anything that she says, you could imagine Tracy saying. Absolutely. <laughs> so where did we get to? Amy is visiting Asha, and Dave is very happy that Amy got Asha signed up. Amy wants to get started on the practice, but thinks that Asha's overdressed. She's wearing long sleeves. Mm-hmm. She's always wearing long sleeves. Yes. Remember, and suggests this happened before. She changes into a t-shirt, but Asha says it's fine. So they're practicing, and Amy spots that Asha has blood on her on her white sleeve. Asha claims to have grazed it earlier, and then basically throws Amy out. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Go away. <laughs> on Friday, then, Dev wishes Asha luck at the bus shelter, and then starts singing Bugsy Malone songs in the middle of the street. He's got a, a umbrella that has smiley faces on it, which right, just yeah. makes it even worse. He tells Asha that she's going to smash it. Dave is clearly on heroin. <laughs> no, because if he was on heroin, he'd, he'd be, be asleep. asleep. Yeah. He's on coke. Co- cocaine. Yep. Yes. What happened to that lassie that was on coke all the time? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh, the barber's. Oh, the hyper girl. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. She kind of, she kind of ghosted. Oh. With the whole. She went to Spain, didn't she? Right. Yeah, she had to get out of there before. Somebody pointed the finger at her for this Nick. whole thing. It's audition time and Asha apparently nails it. I didn't think her singing was that, that spectacular. Well, we just kind of hear her end bit. <laughs> the artistic director, who is so an artistic director. Yeah, like, let's find the gayest man we can with a beard, slightly overweight. Perfect! Does he have... Aye, aye. Does he have a a pullover tied around his neck. And yes, he does. Does he? It's either remember. a pullover or, or a scarf. Does he have uh, glasses that are on a string? No. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Come on, Coronation Street, get your fucking <laughs> finger out here. <clears throat> the artistic director gives out very skimpy costumes and Asha realises that this was a mistake and rushes off. But he only gives them to Asha and Amy. There's like... So many kids in that room because it was an audition. And he gives Asha and Amy these shoes that they're going to have to dance in. And Amy gets all hashtag feminism about this is why she wants to play Bugsy. Because, you know, Bugsy doesn't have to dance in in high heels and stuff. And then the guy goes and gets the costumes. And again, just hands them to Asha and Amy who are sitting kind of... They're not even sitting in the front row. But it's like... They're the only kids with speaking parts, so... Right. But that would never happen. <laughs> uh, is yeah, Bugsy like... Malone problematic? We bet, especially for fat school... Because Fat Sam's running a brothel, right? Yeah, especially for school children, Bugsy Malone. Yeah, these... these You're going to have these middle school children... Because Tallulah's the bottom bitch, Prost- isn't yeah, she? Yeah, they're, they're, they're prostitutes, yes. And I, I mean, 
<laughs> yes, this this was the thing that got um, the the Bugsy movie, not the musical, mm-hmm. is what got uh, what's her name her first. Jodie Foster. Yeah, I think she was in something before that. But... Prefer- yeah, but this was like her first Oscar. I believe. She didn't get an Oscar for Bugsy Malone. I thought she did. No. But she's the one. Yeah, yeah. This is this is not a, an ideal show for children. Although the movie is children. Yeah. But yeah. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Of all of the movies that they're trying to remake, this isn't one that they would do. Good songs, but. Hmm. Anyway. It's not a very popular musical here. No, for for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yes. But I mean, if you dig down deep enough, most musicals are problematic. Even the ones that have a good social message or try to have a good social message like South Pacific, because it's a good social message for the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) Amy finds a crying Asha near the lockers. Amy knows there's something going on with Asha's arms. And if Asha won't say anything, she'll have to speak to Dev. And Asha begs her not to. And later in the cafeteria, Amy reveals that she thinks that Asha's self-harming, but Asha insists it's not what she thinks. She swears Amy to secrecy, and she bought some uh, skin lightning stuff from India. Yes. And it's reacting badly to her, and she shows very bloodied arms. Yeah, her arms are, are burnt right, and scarred from the skin lightener. And most skin lighteners are illegal in the UK, and... I don't really think many of them are illegal here, except for the ones that have very obvious things that are illegal, like mercury. Because, yes, in this century, people are still trying to sell women things that have mercury in them to rub on their face. What could possibly go wrong? Aye, 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 aye. Oh, it was bad a, enough. Maybe a better sense of what temperature it is outside. Queen Bess did it. Amy and Asher and Royce Rolls. Asha says it should be prettier with whiter skin. She's sure the reaction will clear up soon, but Amy thinks she should stop it. She could be killing herself, and Asha promises to stop. And later, Amy gets a casting text. She's been cast as Blousy Brown, which is arguably the lead female role. Arguably. Well, she's Bugsy's love interest, I guess. Hmm. She was trying out for Bugsy because hashtag feminism, and Asha just got chorus. Which is weird because she's always in these things, right. and the the art the casting direct the director guy handed her a costume, which kind of insinuates this is something you're going to be doing. Yes, I can see you as a child prostitute. Wear this. Ay 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 ay. Tallulah went to um pastel blue Oleron show. That's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Her name's Pastel Blue. Of course it is. What the actual, but Asha seems happy to be at the back. Right. Then back home, Asha's applying the lightning cream to her face this time, and it's already causing cuts and burns. She applies some more, and she cries as she's doing so, which was kind of heartbreaking. Kind of heartbreaking? Heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I kind of wish... That they had gone into why she thinks lighter skin would be prettier than 
her normal skin, which arguably she's not very dark to begin with. She isn't, but isn't it the case where the darker skinned you are in India, the lower caste you are? Well, or is that a sweeping generalization? You're born into your caste, but right, but but that's yeah to do yeah. with how dark you are, isn't it? Right, but I mean, to be fair to India, people. Oh. Let's, let's be fair to India. Uh, to be fair to hashtag fair to <laughs> India. People who are not of Indian descent buy these sorts of things and use them and stuff. Oh, I'm sure for you know to to lighten their skin because they want you know they want lighter skin because they think it's going to help them in their lives. I imagine will this will be, be addressed prettier and stuff i just you know it felt it felt like it was like oh i just want to do this to be pretty and a poor amy i don't think that at all i think it's much much deeper than that it is absolutely much deeper than that but it this this introduction i don't know and it seemed like poor amy was just like has no idea of the cultural connotations, the no. whole stuff that you were just talking about as far as India goes. And, you know, as a white girl has no idea of the privilege that she has just walking down the street right. and how she's viewed as opposed to her friend. And I think that this will be a good learning experience for everybody as, mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. Just like the whole thing with uh, James last week where, you know, Bethany gives him the whole right. it's pride talk. And he says, yeah, well, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, from a white heterosexual girl. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are other things here that you have no idea about because you are a white heterosexual girl who does not play football. Right. So, I don't know. It's I'm I'm interested to see how how this storyline goes because this is not this is not something that typically gets addressed. No, I don't like very I said that wasn't even sure that I thought it was a thing. In in any sort of way, but it is it is a huge deal and lots of lots of women in countries all over the world are putting really harmful stuff on their skin to be fair lots of women all around the world are putting harmful stuff on their skin and into their bodies that has nothing to do with skin lightening and it might be interesting to see if this conversation goes further into just talking about that in general that there's this huge you know push to ingest stuff that will quote unquote make you skinny and all this other stuff, the stuff that Jamila Jamil talks about an awful lot going after the Kardashians. I think it's interesting that uh, Asha was being portrayed just as being a kind of grumpy, bitchy teenager mm-hmm. who was just going through kind of growing pains. Right. When there's actually but there's something actually deeper this, there. There's a girl who is severely uncomfortable in her own skin. Right. And hates being who she is. Right. And is willing to try this to to change that is a far it, more interesting, compelling storyline. It, it makes it makes some of the stuff in hindsight just so much heavier. Like when they first come home, 
and Addie isn't with them. And Mary's like, oh, well, where's Addie? Why why didn't you stay? And, and Ash is like, well, I wasn't wanted. Right. You know, part mm. of that is, is part of that her perception of them being down on her because she's darker skin than her brother, you know, who knows? Maybe Mm. we'll find out, but uh, you know, it's yeah. That's an interesting, well done coronation street. uh, It's very much a, if you've been affected by the storyline, storyline. Yes, very much so. Mm -hmm. It just, it makes being the parent of a, of a pre-teenage girl, that much more terrifying, isn't it? That they that they all have to deal with such. I'm completely burying my head in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> our next storyline is educating hope. Oh, on I Monday, love this one. See, this got... is our happy, lighthearted storyline, yeah, sort of. Fizz has got a letter about Hope's appeal. She doesn't want to go back to school and even takes a piss out of Fizzy's homeschool plans. Dora the Explorer, this morning with what's his name and her with the teeth. The sooner <laughs> Hope gets back to school, the better, says Fizz. Then Shona's serving Fizz, whose idea of a math lesson is to get Hope to work out the change at Roy's roles. And Hope, predictably, isn't that great a subtraction. And back home, Hope's... Neither is Fizz. No. Back home, Hope's English lesson turns out to be plain Scrabble. And when Evelyn calls this out, Fizz calls out Evelyn taking Hope to bingo to learn about adjectives. Evelyn sees words like foot, log and door and reckons Hope is a, is a protégé. But those turn out to be Fizz's words. Hope's has played words like elephant, toothpaste and trampoline. Right, yeah. So hope is better when it comes to words than numbers. Yeah, these are completely unbelievable words to play at Scrabble. Because you only get seven tiles and these are all really long words. You're such a nerd. Evelyn is impressed and Fizz thinks that Hope would give her grand a run for her money and Evelyn is up for the challenge. Later, Hope wins the Scrabble game with a tactically placed dolphins. And Evelyn goes off with her tail between her legs, but it looks like she might be hatching a plan. I and thought she, she was hatching a plan. Was she hatching a plan? I don't think she was, but she I looked think, like she was. I think she was just quite proud of Hope. I, I thought. Oh, yeah. 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 So Tyrone, Which was lovely to see. Tyrone is home and very chuffed to hear how well Hope did with her words at Scrabble. She played Mafia, a word that she picked up from a video game. But when Tyrone asks her what it scored, she has a bit of trouble. It scored 10, but it was on a triple word score. So what's 10 times 3? Hope doesn't know. Ty asks her what 10 times 2 is then, and Hope guesses 12. <laughs> Evelyn isn't sure Hope would know 10 times 1, and reckons if Hope doesn't win this appeal, she'll turn Neanderthal. On Wednesday, Evelyn is leaving the house with Severus, and Fizz is already outside. It's her birthday, and Evelyn hands her a card that Fizz claims has come from Jade, one of Hope's teaching assistants, but we're led to believe that it... That we're totally supposed to think that Fizz is having an affair for some reason. Even looks like she doesn't believe it, and when she walks away, Fizzy's expression more or less backs that up. Then Tyrone is at Roy's Rolls, moaning to Roy about Hope's homeschooling. He was going to ask Ken for help, but he's consumed by this Sinead thing, and Brian's always busy doing whatever the fuck it is that Brian does. And then a penny drops, and Ty Ty asks Roy if he'd be interested in helping out. So Fizz is reading out a very convoluted math problem involving toffee apples. And Evelyn is trying to work it out too and identifies a few cost-saving opportunities. Fizz currently thinks this is a distraction and she's in no position to help Hope. Hope tries to pinch Evelyn's answer, but Evelyn's having none of it. And Fizz is the last person to finish the problem, although Hope seems to have worked it out wrong, as has Fizz. 
Evelyn goes to help Fizz, but Hope worries that no one is helping her right now, which is quite right. Right. Yeah. Hope's fantastic this week. Yes, she is. Then in comes Roy good. with Tyrone announcing that he's Hope's new math teacher. <laughs> and Evelyn is outraged and challenges Roy to a math off for the privilege of teaching Hope. Which is... And oddly, Roy's up for it. It's so cute. I I just... I just want them to, you know, make out. <laughs> Get it over with. Tyrone and Fizz think this is stupid, which it absolutely is. But Roy and Evelyn are quite into it. And they're kind of winding each other up as they're doing this right, yeah. seven-year-old girl's yeah, this math is, problems. This is 70-year-old people's <laughs> flirt- flirtations. Right. So this is dragged out further and Roy finishes much quicker than Evelyn. Fizz checks the answers and Roy has scored 100%, which Roy isn't surprised about because this is a wee girl's math homework. Right. Roy can start helping Hope immediately and Evelyn storms off in a huff. Then Fizz sees Hope playing with matches in the backyard. What row? And Tyrone comes out and Fizz plays it down and doesn't tell him. What row? I came out of the blue. Well, On Friday then, remember. Oh, she she's just reminding the factory. us. That she burned down the factory. Right. On Friday, Fizz is having another weird phone conversation telling whoever it is that she needs them there. She later tells Tyrone that it was a cold call. Why? I, d- I really don't understand why she's... I, yeah, None of this makes any sense. Ty and Fizz are rushing off to the ELA meeting at school, which leaves Evelyn to look after the kids. Poor Hope. She's trying her homework, but she doesn't get it. Fronted adverbials. What the fuck's that? Asks Evelyn. Exactly, says Hope. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Turns out that there are adverbs at the front of a sentence. Fuck this, says Evelyn, and drags Hope away to do something that'll hold her attention. Bingo. And later they come back. From the bingo, says Hope. They've written poems. What, what because of numbers and stuff? Asks Tyrone. No, because I wanted to go to bingo, says Evelyn. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Round of applause. Hope, however, has been writing poetry about the people she saw at the bingo. Toothless Dot is under the clock and growls at anyone who sits next to her. Fat Pauline smells like... And then Fizz is shocked and Ty interrupts. Fizz is upset that the lesson plan was abandoned. Ty says he'll have a word with his gran. Whatever, says Fizz, I'm off to the pub. So Fizz is in the rovers on the phone to her mystery caller and she says that whoever it is, she misses them and then Tyrone appears at her back. Who was that, he demands, and he grabs the phone, but she grabs it back. Fizz insists that she isn't having an affair with a man, and Ty worries it's with a woman then. But no, it's Jade, from Hope's school in Birmingham. She's been keeping in touch, trying to give Fizz advice. Really? Then why be so secretive? Exactly. Hope isn't getting better, but Fizz has a plan. And later at home, Jade has arrived at the house, and is there to be a living tutor for Hope, kind of like Daphne and Fraser. Hope is happy to see her, and Evelyn is instantly suspicious of this woman. Not at all like Daphne, I'm pretty no. sure. <laughs> then Hope is with Jade talking through a picture that she's just made. Life is a roller coaster, and then you die, she says. <laughs> and Jade thinks that they should keep this secret, and Hope runs off. Then Jade takes a ginger crayon and adds curly hair to the dead character in the picture. Right. Fizz. So that's Fizz? Yeah. What on earth is this about? <laughs> She crazy. She's single white female? I, apparently, even though she, she just now knows what Tyrone looks like. So, which confuses me. is So, is she not after Tyrone? Is she after the kids? 
I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why she wants uh, Fizz dead. <laughs> and then so Fizz strange. comes in and says, oh, what do you have there? And she's like, oh, just me being silly and crumples it up. And also the whole, I think, I think we should keep this a secret amongst ourselves was kind of weird because it was dark, but it wasn't that dark. Life is a roller coaster, then you die. That's that. That's true. It wasn't life is a roller coaster, and then I kill you. Right. <laughs> there was no blood. It was just. It was. It wasn't even X's for eyes. It was just a person laying down. Yeah. If it was kill all the motherfuckers, then that would be more concerning. I guess. Absolutely. She's like, oh, it's so profound. You said life is a roller coaster. Is that really profound, Jade? Is it? I don't think so. Plus, she's just in the bloody door. Literally, just in the door. Seriously. Uh, but yeah, it kind of looks like it's going in the direction of... It's weird. Jade being single white female. It's weird. And I don't know if I And like I don't it. like it because I was enjoying the Hope and Evelyn stuff right. enormously. Yes. Well, Hope I th- has come on leaps and bounds. Evelyn is going to be the hero of this story. Of you course know that. Is. Evelyn is going to see right... Because Evelyn is already kind of seen right there. Oh, she's just moved in, is she? Well, I'm not sleeping on the couch and, you know... Right. All this other stuff. And she's already got her suspicions. On to our next story, which is the Baileys outing. In more ways than one! Ba-dum-bum-tish! See, when that light comes on, that means that your volume's been clipped because it's too loud. I don't fucking care. Well... Well, now you know. On Monday, the Baileys' house is in a state, as are the Baileys. The rum punch was lethal. Aggie gets Michael and Ed to clear the place where she has a shower. James is bright and breezy and off to training, and Ed is surprised he isn't seeing Bethany, but James quickly brushes over it, and Michael uncomfortably ignores it. Then Adam is at number one explaining to Ken about Daniel's state. He writes it off. Ken is just as blown off steam, uh, but Ken is actually a little bit concerned that Daniel isn't coping. Ed comes over to see how things are. He hopes the party didn't disturb things too much, but Ken seems to have enjoyed the reggae. Ken is a kindred spirit as far as vinyl is concerned. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. And shows off his record collection. Ah ha 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 ha. Yeah. Not much of it, though. Like, just one case. They're... Surely he has more records than this. And they agree to a record swap idea. I have more idea. records than that. Ed will listen to Beethoven if Ken will listen to Bunny Waller. And they agree. Which is nice. And then nothing comes of that. Well, no, because something will come of it. They'll they'll swap records and Ken will have his mind blown by music other than classical. James and Michael have the house to themselves and Michael reveals that he loves James but knows that James is gay. Gulp, says James. Gulp? He denies it until Michael reveals that he overheard him and Bethany talking. Michael says James is his brother and it's okay to tell the truth. James asks how long he knew, and Michael reveals it's been a while, and he loves his brother no matter what. But has it been a while? Really? Really, Michael? Has Not it been really. a while, or has it just been since last night when you overheard a conversation? James explains why he can't come out. It's bad enough being black. If he announces he's gay, then the fans and the Twitter and the news get involved. And he blah, blah, blah. He doesn't want to be a flag bearer, which is fair enough. Yeah. All he wants to do is play football. Aggie comes home wondering why they both clammed up, uh, and... <laughs> Michael tries to pretend that they're talking about something else, and then James says, oh, Michael just knows I'm gay. Oh, okay, says Aggie. Yeah, and She's Michael's always... like, Mom knew, and Mom says, Mom says, a mother always knows. Right. 
And she couldn't give two shits one way or the other. Absolutely. But Dad doesn't know, and James doesn't want him to know, but Aggie thinks it's time now because everyone in the family knows. Right. Dee knows. Dee right. knows. And Michael's like, Dee even knows it on me? That was pretty funny. And they reckon if James makes it a footballer, the press are sure to find out, so Ed really does deserve to know at this point. Ed comes home and he's keen to go at the pub quiz. He's even invited Bethany along so they can get to know her better. Then off he goes to get changed. And then the pub the pub quiz is over and the Baileys have won. Huzzah! Bethany apparently answered more than her fair share of questions. Well done, Bethany. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, oh, because she's young and blonde? She, like, she can't know trivia? Is that what you're implying with that look? It's trivia. It's not intelligentsia. Despite everything, Bethany has enjoyed herself hanging out with James's family, even though everyone but Ed knows... That James is gay. That she's just a beard. Off go the Baileys to get a kebab with their winnings. And back home, Aggie gets out the plates for them to eat their kebabs off. Oh, that was strange. Put a kebab on a plate. While Ed encourages James to bring Bethany home whenever he likes, and then off Ed goes to drop his guts, which allows Aggie to tell James to hurry up and tell his fucking dad. That he's gay. And that's as far as we get with that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh... At one point, James says something about his dad laughing at a, a gay joke that some relative in Jamaica... The families had, in Jamaica. Yeah. They were kind of insinuating that Jamaicans Jamaica's are, a hotbed for homophobia. <laughs> well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't, though. Maybe it isn't. But maybe that particular family in Jamaica is, though. Yeah. Our penultimate storyline tonight. Woohoo! This morning... This afternoon. Woohoo! We're still in this morning. Yes, we are still in this morning. 1021 a.m. It's Mad Max. Yay! I was right. 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 It's good that you're not. Would, would. Being an asshole about it. I was right. But, Dalit, I thought we already established we're all assholes. Yeah. <laughs> At this moment in time, you more than usual. Oh. <laughs> on Monday, Roy's rolls Shona complains to Fizz about the issues she's having with Max and they both agree that Sinead is going through much worse because that helps. Max is supposed to be helping out at the salon because it's a teacher training day so he's got the day off school but he's painfully slow and Audrey's pissed that Max is so fucking useless. In comes Bethany and Audrey tells her that she thinks Max has given Shona the runaround. Max overhears Bethany berate Max's dad, Shona's son and Audrey wouldn't be surprised if Shona abandoned a lot of them. Now at the salon, Audrey's quizzing Bethany about seeing James again when James comes in with a massive bouquet for flowers Aww. for Bethany nice. and thanks her for last night. Aww. And that really should have been in the previous storyline. It's fine. Max wants to leave for lunch, but Audrey's not having it. She promised to look after him and she sends him off to get hair dye for Kathy. And later, what could possibly go wrong? Kathy's hair has not come out well. Although, to be fair, it didn't look all that different to me. It was black. Her hair's not black. Her it's, roots... Uh, it, she was just getting her roots done. And her roots are now black while the rest of her hair is red. That's that's not a good look. That didn't look any different to me. That's Max finds this hilarious as Kathy cries as she leaves. Audrey isn't fooled by Max and doesn't believe him when he denies it. She sends him through the back and he huffily does so. And later she drops Max off at Roy's Rolls with Shona and explains about Kathy's hair. And Shona is furious. She doesn't know what's got into him or how much more she can take. 
Uh, and later still, Max and Shona are at the prison to see David. He begs for another chance and not to tell David. This is the first time he's been able to visit, and he wants it to be nice. Then a reasonably tanned David comes out and hugs Max. <laughs> Max tells him that he's turned a new leaf and isn't acting up anymore and might even try out for the Bugs Malone play. Which he doesn't. Shona gives Max a handful of shrapnel and tells him to fuck off and get some drinks, a ploy that she utilised a few weeks ago with Lily. Mm-hmm. So this gives uh, David and Shona some time alone and David is pleased to see Max coping so well and he's proud of him trying out for the play. Then Max comes back with the drinks and Shona, for whatever reason, just lets this pass. Correct. In the Rovers, Cathy has turned up with a bobble hat on her head. <laughs> Evelyn is quick to yank off to reveal her hair, which doesn't actually look that bad. Cathy uh. mentions in front of Evelyn and Claudia that this is Audrey's fault and Audrey wastes no time in throwing Max under the bus. Max is acting up because of David and Audrey offers to fix Cathy's hair. Then Claudia offers to fix it too. Then Evelyn suggests that she just does it herself. <laughs> which would be difficult to do because she... It's black, so she'd have to lighten just that bit up again and then put the red dye just on those bits and everything, which is not easy to do by yourself. So go toss yourself, Evelyn, who doesn't even dye her hair. But she looks fabulous without her hair dyed. That photograph of her that I posted on Twitter. That oh, that with, the, took. with the donut? And she the... was flipping the bird and she had a donut on her middle finger. That was great. It was so fantastic. Just brilliant. What a just legend. love her. On Wednesday, an agitated Max has given Shona a hard time for not telling David the truth. Yeah. Which go... is what he wanted. Right, yeah. Go fuck yourself. When Leanne comes in, he gives her a mouthful of snash too. And she's outraged and demands an apology, but he fucks off to school. Then Billy comes into Roy's Rolls looking for a cheese and tomato omelette. Roy asks him if he wants anything with it. Billy would like a salad. Then Billy gets a call from Summer and he has to rush off urgently. Forget that omelette, Roy. <laughs> As he's just I have the egg. urgent business to take care of. <laughs> Billy was Billy was the man on the street this week, wasn't he? Billy's everybody's hero. Everybody calls Billy when they have a problem, which is the way it's supposed to be. Conversation Street posted a hilarious picture of uh, Billy standing in the far distance in the corner of the street and called it It Follows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so poor funny. Billy. So funny. Mm. And Billy comes into Roy's room, and I've just said that. Later, Shona and Leanne are talking about Max, and Leanne reveals that Simon used to be uh, physically abusive towards her. Correct. And she covered it up and they got through it, although it wasn't easy. There's light at the end of the tunnel, she says. Then Billy turns up at number eight. He tells Shona that Max tries to sell someone his ADHD medicine at school today. Which is dumb. Why would you try to sell the summer of all people? (laughs) If there's one person on the street who doesn't need to be more laid back, it's summer. (laughs) Shona is initially disbelieving, but then realises that, yeah, that's definitely something that Max would be into right now. Shona had no idea but thought he was taking his pills, but it turns out Max is a 13-year-old drug dealer. She's sorry that Summer had to deal with that. How could she not have noticed this? Billy offers to talk to Max, but Shona says it's her responsibility and she'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. So Max gets home and Shona confronts him about the drug selling. He denies it, but Shona doesn't believe him. She tells him that he'll end up in the young offenders, but he announces that, well, I don't actually give a shit, fuck you. I'm going to end up there anyway. Look at my parentage. Max insists that Summer is lying and says that he knows Shona hates him, and then he leaves, and no one stops him leaving. And then he Shona calls. gets a call from Max's headmaster calling her in for an urgent meeting. Uh-oh. I wonder what that's about. We don't see it. 
that Shona gets back from the meeting, it turns out that they found pills in his locker and he's suspended from school. In comes Max, who still doesn't care. All he cares about is making enough money to get to Barbados to be with his Aunt Becky, who's his only real family. Then Max gets a visitor. Ouch. It's only PC Tinker. Absolutely. Looking all very PC. This was hilarious. This was supposed to put the fear of God into Max, wasn't it? <laughs> Gary. Oh, Gary? <laughs> What's Gary got to do with this? Gary would put the fear of God into Craig explains to Max about Class B drugs and tells Max that he's lucky not to get arrested. He tells Max to consider this a warning and to take his pills. But Max doesn't think pills will bring his mum or his dad back or get David out of prison or get him away from Shona. He points out that her kid killed his mum. How is that normal? Oh, says Craig, grabbing his collar. I've got to go and watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> so he fucks off and, and leaves him to it. that's absolutely what happens. Max gives this heartfelt speech... About how horrible his life is. This poor child is seeking guidance from this police officer. And what is his response? Well, I'll leave you to it. (laughs) Cheerio! It's like, oh gosh, Craig, there's a lot about policing you need to learn there, pal. Max immediately runs upstairs and Leanne advises Shona to speak to David. Then on Friday, Shona is visiting a reasonably tanned David. He can. He's actually more tanned on Friday than he was on Wednesday, I thought. He can tell something is up, and off camera she explains about Max. He's furious that she hid the truth from him, and what a truth. She was trying her best, she says, but she had to make a call, and she did. Well, what makes you an expert on uh, parenthood, asks David. And she reacts, understandably, badly to that. Absolutely. And storms off. So later... David is phoning Shona and he apologises. She's not in the mood to chat, but he insists how much he loves her, and she seems to melt a little bit at that. Oh. And at home, Leanne tries to talk to Max, saying that they're all on his side. She calls on her own experiences and tells him that family is everything. Shona doesn't want Max to turn out like Clayton. Max seems to take this to heart. He doesn't want to be like any other than their dwells in his family, and he promises to change. And Shona overhears this and is perhaps prematurely happy about it. Mm. Do you think Max has learned his lesson? I don't know. He doesn't. He's he's not a bad kid. I don't think he's necessarily a bad kid. I think he's right. He's got all of this stuff piling on top of him, and so he's just he's acting out. And you know, he's not selling drugs to be a bad kid, or you know, to get money for bad things. He's getting money. To move to Barbados with his only true blood relative, right, who's still alive, and who was also married to Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear! (laughs) Oh yeah! (laughs) I thought that was funny, though. You're right. The whole I love it when it when the show does this when it takes a little step back. And becomes the observer in this. Right. And Max taking a step out of himself to observe his own life. Right. And what a fucking shit show it is. Right. I thought it was brilliant. And I think, you know, the show is is, is Craig saying, well, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, we've we've laid it all out there. This kid has... A lot of issues and a lot of rubbish stuff going on. This is outside my pay grade. I've got hot fuzz to watch. <laughs> I'm out gonna, of here. You know, let's, let's, 
let's all just take a dirty and 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 see where this ends up, shall we? <laughs> Is this ADHD ever really been addressed in the show? Do we did we ever see when he was diagnosed? Did we uh, ever see remember. him having problems at school because of it? I and... don't think since we've been doing this, and I don't remember beforehand. Yeah, it's like one of those throwaway things. It seems like they've just remembered. Oh, doesn't Max have ADHD? Right. It's like it's like oh well, let's give this kid you know a problem that he would have to take pills for. What it, what's a problem that kids have to take pills for that are also street drugs? Oh, Ritalin. Right. All right. Yeah, let's give Max ADHD and just pretend like he's always had it and then nobody will care. Our <laughs> final storyline this morning, 10.32, is Gemma's quotes, but more really... Paul. And Kel Surprise. This was actually quite surprising. Was it? A little bit. I wasn't surprised. Towards the end. I wasn't surprised. I'll, tell, I'll point at the bit I was surprised at. On Wednesday, Gemma and Chesney are in Roy's roles, and Gemma's stressing out about Paul and stressing out about another scan that she's due to have. She thinks the only reason that she's having so many scans is because the hospital thinks that something is wrong with the babies. Which is, is true. <laughs> okay, so she's and getting the scan. She's having all of these scans because she's having quads, and the, so many things can go wrong, so they have to keep closely monitoring she wants to know if there's at least one boy and one girl Chess would be happy for four boys that you could name after the Beatles Gemma would be happy for four girls that she could name after the Spice Girls but there are five Spice Girls but yes. Gemma would be ginger no 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 Chesney is ginger oh is that what it was <laughs> which one of them is ginger Broom. Gemma's ginger isn't she no she's not she's blonde remember she was all worried about having ginger babies why would a ginger be worried about having ginger babies? That's true. The nurse, though, notices something odd in the length of the babies, and she wants to speak to a consultant. And later, the consultant thinks this is nothing unusual, but ups the scans to weekly, and she advises Gemma to stay well and rest and eat healthy and not worry. And Chesney looks at Gemma like she's not doing any of those things. Right, because one of the quads is smaller than the other. Right. And that's tip- that is typical. Gemma, yeah, because Bernie refers to it as the runt of the litter. Oh, which, which is horrible. It's lovely. Gemma and Chesney get home and explain to Bernie about the scan. Then they all decamp to the rovers where they're going to meet up with Kel. Rita has joined Gemma, Kel and Bernie. When Paul turns up and immediately starts giving Bernie and Kel aggro, Bernie tells him to do one. Then everyone encourages Gemma not to worry about the wee bairn and she made the right decision not to get a reduction. Then Kel follows Paul, who's heading to the bogs. And Kel and Paul have a disturbing conversation in the gents. Paul doesn't understand how he can act like nothing happened between them. He says he really cared for Kel, and Kel admits that he cared for Paul too, but he's with Bernie now, and he's put all that behind him. The stress of this could make Gemma miscarry. It's all in the past. Not for Paul, he says. It's always there. But Kel leaves, and Paul breathes through his nose into the mirror. Oh, and that was so disturbing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we know that, that what Paul is talking about is something that happened to him when he was a child. Right. And yet he's talking about it as if he was an adult. And that was what surprised me. That added up. I thought that Paul was angry at Kel for doing this to him. But he's not. He's angry at Kel for abandoning him and calling it off. Right. I think there's, I think underlying, like deep down, he recognises 
that it was a bad thing for Kel to do to him? I don't know if he does. I, I mean, I, I think sub, deep down in the subconscious. Okay, I well, think. let's let's just plow through the Friday and then we can talk about oh, this more. Plow through is not the way to go. Oh. <laughs> let's continue quickly. Yes, please. Okay. On Friday, Gemma's still worried about the wee baby. Meanwhile, Bernie's nursing a bit of a hangover. Kel is rustling up a cooked breakfast, which makes Bernie and Gemma queasy. And later, Gemma remembers that she has her birthing classes today and wants Chesney to come along, leaving Kel to pick up Joseph. Uh-oh. And later at the bus stop, Ches and Gemma look on longingly to Paul as he goes into Roy's roles. And in Roy's roles, Billy runs into Paul. Paul tells him about the wee quad, and Billy immediately turns this into a Paul and Kel conversation. Paul's exasperated. He says he was underage, but it was consensual, so just fucking drop it, all right? And Billy thinks that he was too young to give consent. Because he was. What kind of bloke takes advantage of a 14-year-old like that? But Paul isn't interested and goes off to work. Then a fancy yellow Subaru comes hooring around the corner, and it's Kel, and he's dropping off Joseph. Billy sees this and is aghast. Billy goes over to interfere and offers Joseph to hang out with Summer, which Joseph is very agreeable to. And from Kel to a man of the cloth... Hmm... Billy asks what he and Kel have been up to, making sure that nothing untoward had happened. This is Billy, though. We and can it, trust Billy. And it seems to be all clear. And he's not a Catholic priest. <laughs> Cut that out, maybe. Gemma and Ches are back from class, unhappy that there was something there. Unhappy that there was someone there who was complaining about just having twins. Kel offers to loan Chesney the 12 grand that they need to put an extension onto the house. Which... Came out of the blue. Jim and Ches are made up, and Paul, walking by, doesn't look so happy. Gemma approaches him and asks when Paul will be there for her, because he needs her. Or she needs him. She needs him. She needs him. They argue about Kel's involvement in their lives, and when Gemma reveals that Kel picked up Joseph, Paul is visibly upset about this. Yeah, so he is. There's something there. There's something there that recognises that, that he is a danger to young boys. Right. When Billy turns up with Joseph, this proves too much, and Paul runs away. Billy chases after Paul. Uh, Apparently, uh, hopefully he handed Joseph off to Chesney first. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> just didn't just leave him. Yeah, because he wonders what would happen uh, when Kel wants to babysit again. Paul doesn't think Kel is a pedo, but Billy thinks that's exactly what he is. Otherwise, why, why did Paul react so badly? And Billy seems to be making some headway, but then Bernie turns up wanting to call a truce. Billy wants to keep talking, but Paul brushes it off and agrees with Bernie. Right, just to get Billy off his back right. more than anything. Then Kel, Jim and Ches are watching The Professionals on TV. That's totally my childhood. That was a complete blast from the past. Kel informs them sure. that the Scouse one is dead, which was random. In comes Bernie and Paul. Bernie makes a big deal about letting bygones be bygones and Paul is agreeable again. So they're all sitting happy around the table while Bernie and Kel sing the Fields of Athen Rye. She's got some Poorly. family photos. Yes, she's got some fiel- family photos in a box from One Eyed Barry, who I think we're to assume is Jim and Paul's dad. And he has one eye because of heroin, Ches discovers to his absolute horror. <laughs> then Billy comes in and observes from the bar, and Ches finds a photo of Paul and Kel from yesteryear, and Paul sees how young he was when all this shit went down and how old Kel was. My favourite version of. Fields of Bath and Rye is by the Dropkick Murphys. It was a song that Nick used to sing when he was very little, when he was like five or six. He'd always want me to put it on. Only he would sing, it's only only around the tables of Bath and Rye. And it was so cute. 
I'm not familiar with it at all. Well, it's Irish, so I'm, you wouldn't be. I'm, I'm familiar with it. <laughs> I know enough of it to know that it's Irish. So it was weird to have English people singing it. That's very because much Because it's a very much a, you know, fight the fight the dirty English. It's an Irish rebel song, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so Because Celtic weird. fans sing it. It's weird for two English people <laughs> in England to be singing an Irish rebel song. But anyway. This is enough to tear Paul away from this reverie and he rushes to the bogs and throws up. Of course, Billy is hanging around and wants to know what's going on and Paul is still holding the photo and Billy sees it. He tells Paul he was just a kid. Then Paul disappears and Billy chases after him. Remember that bit where Carla was about to fling herself from? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where Billy finds Paul. Yeah, and that scared me a wee bit. But this is is also where Carla saw, um, saw her ghost. Right. (laughs) <laughs> a g- 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 ghost Paul has a song stuck in his head and he wants it uh, gone he wants to rip it out it's all coming back to me now he says he realises how much he's been blocking out how much he's not even been aware of but it's all flooding back and he can't handle it he needs help and Billy promises not to leave his side so finally Paul opens up to Billy he says Kel was a bloke that made his mum smile which was important then he'd come home drunk from the pub sit in his bed and they'd chat which made Paul feel like an adult Kel said he had to be drunk because he was scared how Paul would react, but Paul said he loved him. Billy says, this is grooming. Yeah, But Paul says that he made the first move, and Billy points out that he was manipulated into thinking that. Right, yeah, and that Kel came into his bedroom. When he was 14. Right. He definitely didn't make the first move. This is sexual abuse. But Paul insists he enjoyed it. He loved Kel. He breaks down, and that's how we end this week's episodes. Oh. oh, if you've been affected by that. Oh. Jings. Yes. It's an interesting uh, development. I wasn't expecting this confusion at all, and it's really, really dark. But I guess I guess if you're getting groomed, you're getting groomed by somebody who knows what they're doing, and, there's, right. and everything that they're doing is to make you think that, right. that, they're, yeah. that they're not doing anything wrong. This is all on you. And that's exactly where Paul finds himself. Right. That's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Eesh. It's just such a horrible thing. And I appreciate I appreciate the show shedding a light on such a horrible thing. But it doesn't make for comfortable watching. It really it's, doesn't. It's really heartbreaking and stuff. And I imagine the same idiots who, you know, filed complaints about David... And the David and Josh storyline are going to file the same complaints about this as well, whereas they had no problem watching Bethany get groomed. Right. But never mind. Oh, well, again, it's all going to come out. Poor Paul. Your moment of the week? (sighs) There were some good moments. There were some heartbreaking moments. I think my moment of the week was Max opening up to Craig. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. It was excellent until Craig said, well, I'll leave you to it. And then that just kind of ruins it, doesn't it? I don't know. I really liked Evelyn and Roy's mathathon. I liked uh, Paul's conversation with Billy, you know, up up on the top. That was that was very deep and emotional and well acted. <sighs> We've had deep and emotional for the past couple of weeks with the Sinead storyline, which is why I think the Max thing was a... Well, that was deep and emotional. If we're going to go for funny and lighthearted, then we need to go 
Evelyn and, and Roy, and I know that we've given it to Evelyn and Roy before. Yes, but we can't give it to them. Like, yes, we can, because I don't know. I don't want to give it to, to something with Craig in it, <laughs> where Craig does absolutely nothing. Hope was very good this week. She was. But there wasn't really a moment. No, I mean, her moment is Evelyn and Roy fighting over who gets to be her math tutor. Do you think we give it to the Baileys? Do you think we give it to... No, because we gave it to the Baileys last week, didn't we? No, we gave it... No, who did we give it to last week? She did Beth. Oh, that's right. Because that was horrible. And and well acted. Mm. I still say Evelyn and Roy. I'm, I'm dying on this hill. Uh, I still think it's Max. If we're going to give it to Max, we're not going to give it to that scene. We would give it to... But that scene was the best of Max. Mm. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the, the scene where he... With him and Leanne was better. I can re- think of nothing from it. When, well, when it all got resolved. Yeah. And, and Shona looks from beyond. Or, you know... Shona and and David making up over the phone. No. That was nice. I don't want to give it to Max. I'm sorry, my darling. <laughs> and you don't want to give it to Evelyn and Roy. No. Oh, we've come to an impasse. We've never had this problem before. We typically, one of us caves. So do oh, we have two moments of the week? Do I have to do two memes? <laughs> I guess so. So those are our... Moments of the week. Ta-da! And I don't have a... We've got two. We've got two. We've got two moments of the week. Can this marriage be saved? (laughs) No, it can't. (laughs) I think the boring moment of the week is going to be much more simple, though. Uh, Ken's records? Billy's omelette. Oh, Billy's omelette, yes. (laughs) Billy's omelette is our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Okay, dokie then. Shall we wrap this up? Yes. If you have an odd Piccadilly or to get in touch with us, you are more than welcome to do so, and we will read it out on email and Skype. And if you want to dump a few bucks in our virtual tip jar on PayPal as well. So we, I can buy an Eames chair. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and all of those things. And we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter and the Facebook. Uh, and we have a blog where activity has long ceased to be recorded. <laughs> we this, have full-time jobs, people. But this is Talk of the Street Podcast at WordPress.com. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Cheerio! Cheerio! Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.